1 Corinthians chapter 12. It may be a minute or two before we get back to this passage, but I want to um, talk to you about some things, if I could, right quick, that are related. Amen. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we, you know, sit in a service, hear a sermon, and, um, you know, it, it may seem to speak directly to you. It, there may be parts of it that you don't fully understand in the moment. Um, maybe words you've never heard before, you know, concepts you've never heard before, especially if you're just newly born again. I know we had a lot of brothers born again Thursday night at the foundry, and so some of this may just be all brand new. I mean, it's like, what in the world has I got myself into here, you know? And, um, <clears throat> you know, the first thing is just take a deep breath because your Heavenly Father is eternally committed to you. And, and um, He has a whole new way of life for all of us to live and experience. And it, it takes a minute um, to, uh, to learn right things and unlearn wrong things. And we're all in that process. I know I certainly am. Um, I'm thankful for everything that I've learned from you know, attending church you know, my li- in my lifetime, but some of the things I learned in the early days were not necessarily right, and you, so you have to unlearn those things. But um, I, uh, <clears throat> I wrote this, uh, matter of fact, let me, let me get over to it. I wrote this a while back, and, um, and if this sounds a little sappy, just stay with me, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you, all right? It goes like this. It says, we have a need, N-E-E-D, a need that is not being met. We don't fully understand what that need is, but we are aware of the discomfort and the dissatisfaction that it creates in our lives. If you are physically hungry, like, need some food, hadn't had anything to eat in you know, a few hours, what have you. You know what that feels like. And you know what that gnawing in your stomach means. It means you need some food. You're hungry, you need some food. And so you know, we go and we you know, try to find something to eat to satisfy that hunger. <clears throat> in the same way that your outward man has appetites and gets hungry, your inward man also has appetites and gets hungry. A lot of times, though, it just manifests those hunger pangs of the inward man. They often manifest in our lives in ways that we don't readily recognize as it being an unmet need, as a hunger. Um, like, for instance, have you ever been angry and not known why? I mean, just like mad enough to go punch a wall, but don't even really know why you're, why you're angry. Have you ever felt like something's wrong with you? You've, you know, you say, well, yeah. I mean, but you understand, it's like, man, something's wrong with me. Like something's wrong with you comparing yourself to other people around you who don't seem to have the same things wrong with them that are wrong with you. Or how about this one? Something's missing in my life. Man, something's missing in my life. I'm just, you know, restlessness. You know, it's just like you can't ever get settled. You, you, you know, I, we see it sometimes when, when people come here to, you know, to Heritage for the first time. You know, man, they just be up just moving everywhere. Go to the bathroom, go get them some coffee, go back to the bathroom because they drank too much coffee. And then, you know, it's just, it, it, it's hard to even get settled, physically settled. But there's something inward, you know, that's, 
that's, that's almost like it's constantly keeping you stirred up. Sometimes it manifests itself in just um, a, like a depression or, or, a, or a sadness in our lives. And, and all of these things are, you know, what the inward man is craving or, or it's, it's, it's hunger pains, if you will, of this unmet need inside of us. Unmet need inside of us. So let me go back to the beginning. We have a need that's not being met. We don't fully understand what that need is, but we know the discomfort and dissatisfaction it creates. We try to find a way to relieve the discomfort and hopefully meet the need. You have to understand something about pain and discomfort in our lives. We're not going to sit in the midst of being uncomfortable and not try to do something about it. Like, I'm sure some of you, I'm a, I'm a fidgeter, I'm a shifter, you know what I'm saying? So after I sit on my left hip for a while, I'm going to transfer, because it start, you know, then I'm going to transfer that weight over to my right hip. And if this leg starts to cramp up, then I'm going to cross it. But after that one goes to sleep from being crossed, I'll put it down, and I'll cross this one. In other words, from something as simple as that to major things in our lives, if, if, there's, if there's discomfort, we're going to be driven to try to find relief for that discomfort. But remember, this is a need that we really don't understand, but are aware of its existence. So we try to find a way to relieve the discomfort and hopefully meet the need. Our efforts to this end lead us into all kinds of dysfunction and even addictive behaviors. Our dysfunction and addictive behaviors create even more discomfort and dissatisfaction that causes us to try even harder to find relief. Is anybody listening to me tonight? And so the vicious cycle goes. The unmet need remains unmet while our discomfort and dissatisfaction in life is multiplied many times over. Now, I wanted to begin there tonight because I want you to understand not just what it is that I'm going to say tonight, but I want you to connect with it personally. I, I want the Holy Spirit to help us from the Word of God tonight to reveal something about us and about yourself as an individual that maybe you've never understood before or maybe you've only understood in a shallow way and need to understand much deeper. Now, this unmet need that we're talking about here, I break that down, and I'm really not here to teach on that tonight, but I break that down into five categories. And every person on planet Earth is trying to find acceptance, trying to find security, trying to find identity, trying to find significance, your value, your worth, and trying to find purpose, what your purpose is. Why am I here? What, why do I exist? Now, it's very easy to just stand in a pulpit and preach about people's problems. And you can get folks' attention by doing that, you know. I mean, for instance, if we were to talk about financial problems, anybody that's in here has got a financial problem, man, your ears will perk up, right? Because, hey, i got some financial issues. Or family problems, or marital problems, or what have you. So, it's very easy to just talk about the, the problems and, and what you ought to do and, and, 
and you ought to try harder and so forth and so on. But I believe that most of what we deal with in life can be traced back to those five essentials and not understanding them and not knowing how to scratch the itch in our lives that those five essentials create. So if what I said was accurate, and I believe it is because I've been doing this for a long time, if what I said was accurate, that we have an unmet need that creates discomfort, we're not going to sit in discomfort, we're going to try to find relief, and in our efforts to find relief, lead us down many different paths that never meet the unmet need but create other kinds of discomfort and dissatisfaction in our lives which causes us to try even harder to meet the unmet need yet the, yet the need keep, continues to be unmet and the dissatisfaction in life continues to increase. If what I'm telling you is true and I believe it is, then can we not all agree that the answers that we really need are the, to have the need met? What we're looking for in life is it's not just some fix, not just something that will satisfy us for a few moments, not just something that will take our minds off of it, but something that will really meet the need for crying out loud. And this is what Jesus came to do for us. And of course, if you understand this, you understand why He said all that He said about, I am the bread of life. He says, I'm the living water. He says, if you drink of Me, you'll never thirst again. If you eat the bread that I've come to give you, you'll never hunger again. He's talking about the bread that will satisfy the appetites of the inward man. Not something that will satisfy the outward appetites of the flesh, but the inward appetites of, of the inward man. Amen. Let's get something nailed down right now, okay? We don't need to live another second of our lives without understanding this. The outward things of the flesh are powerless to satisfy the inward hunger of the heart. The outward things of the flesh, there's not enough sex, there's not enough drugs, there's not enough money, there's not enough nice cars and, and, and all these other things, outward things, physical things, there's not enough of those things in the whole wide world to even phase, scratch, make a dent in the inward hunger of the heart. We're talking about two completely separate things here. And Jesus came to satisfy the inward hunger of our hearts. And it's amazing, my brothers and my sisters, the more that we find our satisfaction from Him, through Him, in Him, inwardly, the more at peace we start to become outwardly in our lives. Amen. So then a lot of this goes to our understanding how it is that we were created. You know, this idea that, you know, something blew up and it formed condensation that created bacteria that became a tadpole, that became a frog, that became a bird, that became a monkey, that became you. It, consider the, the arrogance in that statement. What we're literally saying is that we created ourselves. And to believe that means you have to believe that there was one day absolutely nothing that became absolutely everything. That requires more faith than believing God said, let there be light, in my opinion. I'm holding a Bible. I could hold any book up, but no one would believe that all of these letters fell out of the sky, formed words, formed into words, formed into sentences, formed into paragraphs, formed into chapters, formed into this book. Yet, your very physical existence, your very DNA, 
is a very strategically written code that if we were to read it at a normal pace, it would take 33 years, 24 hours a day to read the book that is your physical body. And yet we believe that these things are random. We believe the world, again, they're just deliberately trying to deny that there is a God because it's a convenient truth, right? If there is no God, then there's nobody to answer to in the end. But thank God we're beyond that. Amen? We're beyond that. So we were created. We were created by God. We were created by God for a purpose. The Bible says He knew you before He ever created you. He assigned a destiny to your life before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. You have an enemy who's tried very hard to keep you from ever understanding that destiny, from ever finding the truth about who you are and why you are and and, and exactly what your worth and value is. And so it's these things. I know sometimes we come in here and we just preach sermons about this stuff and and, you know, people hear it and take notes and say something about it, but I'm wanting you to see the bigger picture. Now, in Genesis it says that it's not good for us to be alone. Amen. And anyone who says, I like being alone, has never truly been lonely. Because if you've ever been lonely, then you know there's few things in life that are worse than being lonely. We said this morning that Outside of capital punishment, the harshest punishment that our government has to give to a person is solitary confinement. We were not created by God to be alone. We were hardwired to have fellowship with Him. We were hardwired to be in fellowship with other people, with other human beings. Now, listen to me very carefully, okay? Sometimes we don't understand that We don't recognize that. We know that we're drawn to people. We know that some people we enjoy their company, other people we don't. But there is something in us that draws us to other folks. Because we have an inward hunger for that. And because we don't understand it, many times the enemy of your soul will lead you into very unhealthy, dysfunctional relationships. Am I right about this? And then those relationships become some of the most painful and even destructive experiences in our lives. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a statement out there and I really am believing the Holy Spirit dropped this statement in my heart this evening to say this to all of us. And I'm trying to help you connect with what I'm talking about when I say you were hardwired for fellowship. You were created by God for fellowship. Because that may just be words that go in one ear and and out the other. Even though we all pursue fellowship, enjoy fellowship when it's healthy, and, and have experienced the negative effects of unhealthy connections and fellowships in our lives. But let's let's go back to the statement. The statement is simply this: we desire to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Am I right about this, men? Am I right about this, ladies? We have this inward knowing, this inward sense, this, this 
it's almost an instinct, an intuition, whatever you want to call it, where we, we long to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we try to scratch that itch in different ways by groups of friends that do things together. We, we, um, if you've ever played team sports, again, that's, some folks are into that sort of thing, some folks are not. If you've ever been in a, a knitting group, whatever. We, we, we try to, to connect ourselves. Why do you think social organizations and, 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 and all these different things, the, the, you know, the key club, the, the rotors, the rotary club, what's those things, you know, so all these different uh, associations and events and charitable organizations and this and that and what have you. Again, it, it taps into this part of us that longs to be connected with something bigger than ourselves. It's because you were hardwired for that. You were created for that. You were designed for that. And all of that is included and of course unfolded throughout Scripture. But it all began with that simple statement from God to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 when He said to him, Adam, it is not good for you to be alone because He wasn't created to be alone. He was created to be in fellowship with God and with other people. Now, this morning we begin to work our way through some verses. I introduced them to you. I want to get back to them tonight in the time that we have remaining. And these verses are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to, I want to begin in verse number 12 again, if I could. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For those of you who don't have a, a Bible, I'm going to put them up on the screen. And if you'll notice, um, I'm reading these from the Passion Translation. So this is going to read a little bit different from the New King James, which is what we normally look at while we're together. Are you getting anything out of this? Oh, praise God. We, see, as long, ignorance on our part, ignorance is not a fight. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not cussing you. Listen, tell me please. Ignorance means you don't know. And if you don't know, you don't know. But here's the thing. When we are ignorant, it gives our enemy an advantage over us. When we don't understand how it is that God created us and what He created us for and what we've been hardwired to do and how He intended for us to exist, when no one ever explains that to us, we are left to try to make it up as we go along. And we become very vulnerable to the enemy's lies. We become very uh, vulnerable to his uh, gentle nudges and suggestions. Well, you ought to try this. Looks like that's working for this person. Why, they found some peace doing these things and what have you. And we become very impressionable. We become very vulnerable. We become uh, almost sitting ducks for the enemy to just pick us off. But the more we begin to understand that we were created by God for a purpose, the more we begin to understand that God created us and designed us for a specific way of life, and as we begin to understand these things and the ways that God intended for us to live and the things that He intended for us to be connected with and involved in, and, and, and we begin to pursue those things, it is amazing how our lives begin to change for the better and how truth enables us to live in the freedom that we've already become and that we've already been given. So here we go. First, verse number 12. Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one Spirit we all were immersed and mingled into one single body, and no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled in to one. All right, now look at me for a moment. 
maybe I should have started here, okay? The Bible says that when we are born again, we become members of the body of Christ. Members. It's sad to me that most people in church know more about church membership than they understand what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. Church membership taps into that, come be a part of us, come be one with us, come join our group, come join our association, our denomination, our uh, institution, what have you, okay? Now, I have different opinions on that. I'll reserve sharing them here, okay? But for the record, the Bible does not teach church membership. The Bible teaches becoming a member of the body of Christ. Now, in case you think I'm saying the same thing, I'm not, and let me explain, okay? My thumb is a member of my body. It is a part of the the whole. It It is an integral part, an integrated part of the whole, right? So the Bible says things like this. You are the body of Christ and a member individually. You are the body of Christ And we are individually members of one another. You see, the relationship that my thumb has with my knee is that they are members of the same body. They don't have the same function, but they are a part of the same body. So, when we were born again, we became members of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body, and we are members of His body. That is not a figurative, that is not a metaphor. You hear what I'm saying? It is literal. You are literally a member of the body of Christ. And we see this when he got Saul's attention. Saul was persecuting Christians. Saul was arresting Christians. Saul was even overseeing the, the, the execution of Christians. And the Holy, Jesus got his attention on the road to Damascus. And, and he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? Not, why are you persecuting my followers? Not, why are you persecuting those who have joined the church? Not, why are you persecuting those who have been saved? But, why are you persecuting me? So, do you understand why every human being on planet Earth has this desire to be a part of something bigger than themselves? It's because we were created to be a part of the body of Christ. We were created to be a part of who He is and to become literally one with Him. Let's start at 14 again. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if a foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body, it is forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. Let me stop here for a minute. I'm going I'm to give a, a side note here. I'm not sure I've ever preached this before, but I'm, I'm, fixing to, I'm fixing to say it right now, okay? I've been asked many times over the years about someone who gets born again. And, you know, some folks believe that you get born again if you commit sin, you lose your salvation. I, the Bible doesn't teach that, so whoever taught you that taught you wrong. 
And I'm not trying to be blunt about it. I'm just telling you they taught you wrong. But there are some folks who say, well, what if somebody renounces Christ? What if somebody says, I was born again when I was little, but I I know different now. I've, I've become more intelligent now. You know, it happens to a lot of people. They get saved when they're young. They get out in the world. They become disillusioned. Or they go to some university, some secular university, with some biology professor that's, you know, teaching evolution in a way that it shouldn't be taught, what have, what have you, you know. And, and so, they be, so, in other words, they just, they renounce Christ. And obviously, I don't believe that if someone renounces Christ, that that means they're no longer safe. And I, I was asking Lord about it one day. Somebody asked me, and I said, Lord, I don't mind telling them that I, that I believe they're still safe, but could you show me in the Scriptures? And he took me to this verse right here. He said, if a foot in the body of Christ says it's no longer part of the body of Christ, it doesn't mean that it's no longer part of the body of Christ. Right? If my thumb lost its mind and said, I'm no longer a member of this body, well, the rest of my body would look at it and laugh at it. It's like, yeah, you are, dude. I don't know what's got you so confused. I don't know if you hit your head on something. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. Maybe, you know, you understand, but yes, you are. So even if someone renounces, even if somebody says, I am no longer saved, I am no longer a, a member of the body of Christ, yes, you are. You're just confused. If you weren't confused, you'd never be saying something so crazy. All right? So he says, verse 17, think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as He desires. You are the body of Christ and a member individually. There's never been another human being just like you. There's never been another human being on planet earth, nor will there ever be another human being that has your same thumbprint. God made you a unique individual. He created you with a certain personality, with a certain disposition, with certain gifts, with certain interests, with certain abilities, and all of these things that reside within you are the potential that God invested in you, and it's what makes you who you are, a unique individual in his eyes in relationship and fellowship with him but listen to me please we see that all those things that are you that that go into making you the individual that you are will never find their proper place they will never be realized or utilized outside of being connected with the body being connected with the body so God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires A diversity is required for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many differing parts and functions, but one body. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. I got to come down here. I want you to take a minute. You've been wondering who was sitting behind you anyway. So just go ahead and just look around for a minute. Just, just try to, if you can, just take a minute to try to, if you could, you know, at least let your eyes scan over, over every person in this room. I mean, there's a lot of folks in here. Some of them you know, maybe some of them you don't. Amen. You kind of get a, a, a glimpse at everybody. Are you ready for this now? You need every person in this room, and every person in this room needs you. Amen. 
You say, well, they may not be like me, Pastor Mark. That's the point. They may not have been raised like I was raised. That's the point. They may not see things the same way I see them. That's the point. We need, you need every person in this room and every person in this room needs you. There are two fundamental lies that the devil tries to tell every person and he's exposing them in these verses that I'm reading right now. The first one is, I'm not like those people. Therefore, I'm not a part. I don't fit in. I don't belong. Listen to me now. Please listen to me. This is very, very important, all right? We have tried so hard to find somewhere that we fit in. What do they say? Get in where you fit in. We have tried so hard to find where we fit in this world. I was standing in the Lion King puppet show. I shared this. I hadn't shared this in a long time. I shared this Monday morning, last Monday morning. I was standing there with a little Lion King puppet singing about trying to find his place in the world. And I was crying uncontrollably because I knew that I thought I had achieved the dream of my life, the goal of my life, which was to be in a full-time ministry, and I still hadn't found where I fit in. I still hadn't found my place. Amen. Now, y'all can look at me all stoic and strong and wise and intelligent, but there are people in this room, and you know it. You can sit there and just keep looking straight ahead like I'm not talking to you, but you know that I am. You still haven't found where you fit in. You still haven't found that place where you belong. Amen. And we're trying to find that, right? We, it's back to that instinct. We're, we're, we're looking for people we identify with, hoping that they can give us our identity. It's the body of Christ. This is where you belong. This is where you fit. This is where the enemy never wants you to recognize as... Amen. How do I say this? Welcome home. Well, and I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about just the, the portion of the body of Christ that meets here. My friend Jim, talking about maybe going back to Florida one day for too much longer. You know, I'm like, man, pray about that, Jim. I like you being around here, brother, you know. But I'm not talking about heritage. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Welcome home. It's what you've been looking for. It's what you've been trying to find. But now it's a different kind of resistance now, right? Because the enemy is trying to keep you from ever feeling like you're a part, ever feeling like you belong. And so one of the ways that he does that is when we compare ourselves to other people. They don't look like me. You know, one of the things that I think the Lord has done so beautifully here at Heritage over the years is that we have all kinds of different folks that, that in, enjoy one another's company. In other words, I've seen men in three-piece suits and men in shorts and flip-flops on Sunday morning love one another and go have lunch together. Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you don't, it's so sad to me that in so many churches, you, know, you, you can't be who God created you to be. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? That if, if you've had certain problems or issues, or, you know, God forbid you've got tattoos or, or something along those lines. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? But God made us all different. He, he created us with different interests and, 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 and different personalities. 
My friend, that is, that is not a weakness un, unless we allow the enemy to use those differences to divide us. Thank God. Thank God. So, we all have a different role to play, so to speak. We all have a different function, but it's still one body. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you, and equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. So the two lies are this. The first lie is, I'm not like those people. I don't fit in down there. You know, I'm different from them. And so therefore, we allow that lie to separate us from the body of Christ. The other one is, I don't need those people. I don't need those people. Now, I've, I've tried to be gentle and easy. There's nothing worse than a fussing preacher. And I, I don't ever want to be a fusser. You understand what I mean by a fusser? I'm not here to fuss at you, all right? And I just, I do want to encourage you, though, that, that church and coming to church is more than just what you can get out of it. It's more than what you can get out of it, right? It's what you have to add and bring to the body of Christ. Verse 22, in fact, the weaker parts, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. The body parts we think are less honorable, we treat with greater respect. And the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. The subheading in this next section is one body with different gifts, and it says this, you are the body of the anointed one, and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. You are the body of Christ, body of the anointed one. And each of you is a unique and vital part of it. I'll finish here. Amen. In the body of Christ, things function by faith, okay? And faith works like this. We believe it's true because God says it's true even if there is no evidence yet to support or prove that it's true. Okay? People say, I will believe it when I see it. Well, there's a really, really, really good chance that you'll never see it. Because it's not I'll believe it when I see it, it's I believe that I receive it. And then the manifestation or the, or the receiving comes. It's different for, I know this is a different approach, but this is how God created us to live. So the alternative, like we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, is instead of living by faith, we, we live by sight. In other words, we live by the way things look, the way things seem, 
and the way things feel. Now, when it comes to faith, as I'm trying to show you how this fits in with what we're talking about tonight. The Word of God says, if you are a born-again believer, you are a unique and vital part of the body of Christ. Say, well, Pastor Mark, what if I don't feel like a unique and vital part of the body of Christ? Well, see, there you go. Feelings, right? It doesn't seem like I'm a unique and vital part of the body of Christ. Again, you're walking by sight. Now, I'm not saying, listen to me please. I'm not saying that feelings, emotions are not important. God created us as emotional beings. But if you are waiting to feel like a part of the body of Christ before you believe that you are, we've got a problem. You've got to believe you are even if you feel like you're not. You've got to begin to say out of your mouth, I am the body of Christ and a member of it individually. I am a unique and vital part of the body of Christ. I'm not like everybody at that church, but I'm not supposed to be like everybody at that church. God created me different from everybody in that church or in the body of Christ for that matter. But He has a place for me. He has a part for me. And I am a member. I'm not talking about filling out a card and putting it in some file somewhere. I'm not talking about your name being on some roll as a certified member of Heritage Christian Center. And here, let me give you a card so you can have 10% off at the book and tape table. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something God has done inside of you. I'm talking about what He put you in your mother's womb to be connected with and, and, to, and to accomplish on this earth. I'm talking about your God-given destiny. And it'll never be realized and it'll never be utilized until it is realized and utilized within the context of the community that is the body of Christ. But you ought to believe it. God forbid that it ever happens again, but I'm sure it's happened before. And because we're all growing, I'm sure it'll happen again. Well, I went to church and nobody spoke to me. You are a unique and vital part of the body of Christ. I'm not making excuses for us, but I have not thought about my spleen today until right now. I didn't wake up this morning and say, good morning, spleen. I'm so glad that you're with me this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you haven't gone anywhere. And I'm so thankful that you're hanging in here with us. And, and we just want you to know that we love you, Mr. Spleen. And, and we pray that you'll come back. And thank you for tithing your portion to the body. And, and, and No, I, I didn't think about it. But it doesn't mean that it's not a vital and unique part of my body. And as we grow and mature and develop, we, we're able to recognize that. We all need pats on the back. We all need thank yous. We all need encouragement and being built up by other members of the body of Christ. But listen, whether it happens or not, it doesn't change the truth that you are a unique and vital part of the body of Christ. Thank God my spleen don't quit working just because, you know, sleep in on a Sunday just because I didn't think to say something howdy to it or something. You understand what I'm saying?
My, somebody got my liver's parking place, and so it just decided to do something else today. You know what I'm saying? Thank, you know, I mean, you follow what I'm saying, right? Amen. It's the body. It's who you are. And the devil's going to try to keep you from ever connecting because you will discover things about yourself connected to the body that you cannot and will not discover any other place, any other way. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Every member of my physical body shares the same life source. Right? Every member of my body shares the same life source. So when he says that we're all different, we have different functions, we have different purposes, different assignments, not everybody's a thumb, not everybody's an eyeball, not everybody's an ear, not everybody's a knee, not everybody's an internal organ or what have you. We, we all have our different functions within the body, but notice he says we all drink freely from the same Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you tonight for the people, Lord, in this room. I thank you, Father. Most of them I know, some of them I do not, yet my life and my destiny and my future, Father, is somehow in some way intertwined with theirs and theirs with mine. Father, I know, like Jim, people live in different places and come here for different reasons over the years and are here for a while and then go back, and, and yet even even if it's just for a season, Father. Even if it's just for this one service, Lord. Our lives have, have met. And, and Father, I believe that your word has been spoken and received tonight. Father, I thank you for the things that you're teaching us. Things that you're helping us recognize and realize. Father, we've all done really dumb, even sometimes crazy things to try to satisfy this inward longing to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We've all even held our nose and did things, Lord, that we didn't want to do or even stuff that we didn't believe was right just to try to fit in and, and be accepted and and, and, and be recognized, be acknowledged, Lord. Father, this is a very powerful thing in our lives. Help us understand it. And help us understand that the true answer, Father, is you. What we hunger for most is to fellowship with you and then fellowship with other members of Jesus' body. Father, thank you for the week ahead. Thank you for sweet sleep tonight. Lord, as we all find a place to rest, Lord, I thank you for a great day and a great week ahead this week. We believe, Father, that your name will be glorified in the way that we live our lives and in the things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here.